0: My name is Shauna, and this is the American English Podcast. My goal here is to teach you the English spoken in the United States. Through common expressions, pronunciation tips, and interesting cultural snippets or stories, I hope to keep this fun, useful, and interesting. Let's do it. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to episode number 77. And to start off with, I have a question for you. As a kid or as a teenager, did your parents ever sit you down and talk about the birds and the bees? In other words, about sex? If not, you probably learned at some point that intercourse between males and females can lead to pregnancy, and pregnancy leads to babies. Hopefully you didn't learn that the hard way. In today's five-minute episode, you'll learn the vocabulary, collocations, and phrasal verbs needed to talk about labor and delivery, and you'll also learn some fun facts and statistics about giving birth in the United States. If you follow my Instagram, which is at American English Podcast, you may know that I gave birth on Sunday, August 30th to my daughter Clara. Clara Grace, and she was born seven pounds, four ounces, and 20 inches tall. She's healthy and happy, uh, although we had a bit of a problem with jaundice for a while, but we're all happy here and everything is going somewhat well, besides the exhaustion, of course. Now, the birthing experience with Clara and the start of labor were not at all like what I had pictured in my head. To be frank, it was a lot more dramatic, embarrassing, and memorable than pretty much every other moment in my life, especially more so than my experience giving birth to my daughter, Julia. Clara was born in a hospital, Julia was born in a birthing center. Labor with Clara lasted only three hours, and labor with Julia lasted nine. Now, Clara's birth story is incredibly TMI, and Julia's is not. TMI stands for too much information. When we say that something is TMI, it means that there's too many details that are either disgusting, inappropriate, or unnecessary to share within that specific story. So as I said, my birth story is incredibly TMI. So there's no way to tell it to you without showcasing a very unflattering side of me. That's why I've decided to make my birth story with Clara only available inside of the classroom to premium subscribers. So if you are interested in accessing that content, then of course you can sign up at AmericanEnglishPodcast.com. Now, just a heads up before we begin, uh, make sure you're not eating anything if you're disgusted by birthing stories, because at times it does get a little bit graphic. So let's begin. Up until you've given birth or a loved one has, your perception of labor and delivery may be greatly influenced by scenes from movies. You may recall this one. A pregnant woman is walking peacefully through a grocery store, when she suddenly curls over and a gush of amniotic fluid comes pouring out from her nether regions onto the floor. Her water is broken, and it's a mess. Almost immediately, she starts breathing heavily and is rushed to the hospital, where after a short period of time and a lot of screaming, a beautiful baby is born. As exciting as a Hollywood portrayal of labor is, It's far from realistic for the majority of women. Only about 15% of women experience their water breaking before the onset of labor. Also, for many, when the amniotic sac ruptures, the sensation feels like a slow, warm trickle of liquid rather than a gush. So no big surprises at the grocery store and no cleanups on aisle three. Now, let's create a hypothetical character. We'll call her Karen. Meet Karen. She's nine months pregnant with a baby boy and is getting anxious as the baby's due date approaches. Since she suffers from third trimester symptoms like acid reflux, aching hips, and back pain, days seem long and drawn out. The only signs of labor have been false ones, like Braxton Hicks contractions that prepare the uterus for birth. One day, out of the blue, Karen loses her mucus plug, which is a slimy substance that protects the contents of the uterus, so the amniotic sac, placenta, and fetus from the outside world. She remembers from her Lamaze classes that this happens when the cervix which is the entryway to the uterus, begins to dilate, or open up. She's excited now and wonders whether she'll go into labor soon. About a week later, Karen is overcome with nausea, strong cramps, and aching in her lower back and pelvis. Subtle contractions kick in, and overnight they get stronger, more frequent, and more consistent. When they're about four minutes apart, she heads to the hospital and is admitted because she's reached four centimeters dilated. Most hospitals admit women between four and six centimeters. Once admitted, the nurses want to know if she'd like to keep her placenta after birth. In the United States, it's becoming trendy for actresses and new mothers to consume their placenta in the form of pills, smoothies, and prepared meals after birth. The reason being, the placenta contains protein and iron properties that can vastly improve postpartum recovery. Karen says, well, thanks, but no thanks, and then is directed into the room where she'll be laboring. When in bed, the RN hooks her up to an IV so that a constant flow of liquid can be sent to her body throughout labor. And a catheter is inserted into her urethra to remove urine from the bladder. At 6 centimeters dilated, active labor begins, which is the most painful part of labor. Just like the other 60% of birthing women in the U.S., Karen opts for an epidural, which is a procedure in which a small tube is inserted near the spinal cord and releases anesthesia. About 10 to 15 minutes after the anesthesiologist administers the epidural, the numbing sensation starts to take effect in her legs and pelvic region. Periodically, nurses check her progress, and when her cervix is fully dilated at 10 centimeters and 100% effaced, she can start to push. Thank goodness the baby is not breech, or feet down, she thinks to herself as she's pushing with each contraction. After quite a few pushes, the baby is born and is placed skin to skin on Karen's chest. Without any instruction, the baby finds its way to her breast to begin nursing. Meanwhile, the doctor helps birth the placenta. Karen's partner cuts the umbilical cord And an episiotomy is done since there was tearing down south. All in all, it was a successful birth. In the United States, the average birth without complications costs $10,808. That includes both natural and vaginal births and caesareans, which are more commonly called C sections. 98% of births take place in hospitals where obstetricians, or OBGYNs, and RNs, or registered nurses, take care of mothers. About 1% of births take place in birthing centers, where midwives, who are specialized in childbirth, are the primary caretakers and deliverers. A very small percentage of births take place at home. In contrast to the traditional hospital experience, Birthing centers are known for their high number of natural births, cozy rooms, and personable atmospheres. At a birthing center, moms have the freedom to get up and labor in birthing tubs or on birthing balls, play relaxing music, use natural oils, and do hydrotherapy to progress labor naturally. In English, any baby born before term, so before 37 weeks, is classified as premature. Premature babies are often called preemies, and they may need incubators and around-the-clock care to thrive. Most times this is provided at a NICU, or a neonatal intensive care unit. Although most pregnancies in the United States reach full term, which is anywhere from 39 to 40 weeks, The number of babies born before 40 weeks has increased from 57% to 73% in the past two decades, according to the Center of Disease Control. The reason for this spike is partially due to improvements in predicting due dates and also a national increase in scheduled C-sections and elective inductions. Today, in most places, a woman can choose to be induced at 39 weeks. This process usually involves pitocin, so a synthetic form of oxytocin to get contractions going, and potentially extended days in the hospital. Around 31% of women in the U.S. get C-sections, which is well over the ideal rate of 10-15% to recommended by the World Health Organization. That's it for this five-minute episode. I went a little bit over five minutes as usual, but I hope it was worth every second of your time. Now, as a reminder, five-minute English episodes are more challenging than normal episodes because they're jam-packed with vocab words and phrasal verbs and everything that I mentioned before. So if you want to access the definitions and exercises to dive deeper into your learning and access that audio recording of my birth story with Clara, be sure to sign up to premium content at AmericanEnglishPodcast.com. Thanks so much, and have a good one. Bye! Thank you for listening to this episode of the American English Podcast. Remember, it's my goal here to not only help you improve your listening comprehension, but to show you how to speak like someone from the States. If you want to receive the full transcript for this episode, or you just want to support this podcast, make sure to sign up to premium content on AmericanEnglishPodcast.com. Thanks and hope to see you soon.